And just like that, we are back. Uh, we're back. Again. That's right. With an episode that deserves a massive fucking <laughs> trigger warning. Holy crap. Yeah, this episode has a lot to be triggering people about. Um, that being said, too, Dom, I found the perfect drink for us for tomorrow night. Oh, Lord. What is it? It's tequila with lime cucumber mint. Is and it then really a, good? It's so fucking good. And then you put in a spa, er, splash of Baja Blast. <laughs> what is this drink what is this alcoholism we're experiencing actually no i shouldn't say anything i would drink that that sounds delicious it is so fucking good you have no idea you can barely even taste the tequila oh that's even better a full fucking um, i may have down three of them oh, may have i can tell <laughs> the words of uh chanel from season one of rupaul's drag race mm, the lovely miss mandarin Oh my god. Uh. Okay, so I am the uh, trigger warning of the episode, Robert. And I would like you to call me mommy tonight, Dom. Fucking hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of that literally as we were getting started. I was like, I'm going to say this and they're going to hate me. (laughs) They're not going to like this response. That's right. Um, so, okay, let's just jump right into it. Why not? I mean, obviously, trigger warning as usual. But for the first time in forever, I had my notes done slightly before we actually started recording this. I was ahead of you most of this episode, by the way. You were, you were. But that's also because we were trying to do the the, the doc at the same time. And, uh, you know, it kind of overlapped and we were like, I can't type while you're typing. It was like when you accidentally continuously touch hands with another person or like thighs in a, in a cramped car. It's not that it's uncomfortable or that it's a problem. It's just like, oh my God, I feel bad because I'm overstepping my boundaries. Yeah. You know what it is for me is like when you're walking the same direction as another person, but you're both going after, opposite directions and you both go the same left. After you like, said goodbye. Yeah. You're like, uh, I'm going left. And you're like, nope, nope. My left, not your left. There you go. Like, Son of a bitch. I'm always going to be that girl. Um, <laughs> That's right. We jump off to a montage of a woman getting ready as we turn to the maids trying on the owners of the house's Valentino dress, jewelry, and drinking champagne. It's, was it a bottle of Don Perignon? Yeah. It's, uh, we love to see the devious maids and they're Latina, of course, because they have to be. I mean, they're in Miami-Dade County, so why else would they be? Um, so here we are. They're living their most fantasy, their most besla, their most Chicana realness. That's how I can tell you've had three drinks, is because mm. you're leaning into this aesthetic a little too hard. <laughs> I am. At least I haven't broken out the, the Cholita voice yet, so just wait. Not yet, but like we could do the episode. Oh, I mean, like, like we could do it. It's fine. We're mans. It's fine. Okay. I was, I used to work in housekeeping, so I can say 100%. I see my girls do this. All right. I think them. Let's talk about your glow up for a minute. You went, yeah. you've, you've, you've ran the gambit of experience, and I am very impressed by that. Just, I just really have. That. For everybody who doesn't know, I started out at, uh, as a stocking clerk at Michael's, then went to being at POS and floor at Kohl's, and then to uh, grocery and being a server to hotel staff. You worked as a server? I did work as a server and a barista. I think you would hate that. The barista I can see. It's like every gay, every gay, bi, queer person, anybody who's part of the alphabet mafia 
has to work as a barista in some instance that I can see. But you working as a server feels like the most jarring job you've ever had. Yeah. And then I worked uh, hotel industry. So I did actual like housekeeping house person, then to front desk and then auditing um, to room inspections. And then I did, I was a wine pour to real estate. And then here I am working in finance. So I have climbed that social ladder. Climb it, bitch. Climb it high. She can network. Climb it high. She, she really can network. You want to talk about a bitch who can network? This bitch right here at the podcast can network like a motherfucker. Yeah. I'm not me. even joking. Um, anyway, so they're all getting dressed up and getting Botox. Uh, but speaking because, of networking. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of networking, they're getting dressed up and they're going to a Botox party. Which I have to ask you, Dom, would you go to a Botox party? I'm not going to lie. I would honestly go to a Botox party, but not for the prices that they were pitched at this Botox party. I was going to say, I have a friend who owns their own like hair salon and they do Botox parties. And I'm like, I was very tempted to go. There's a part of me that would want to go, but I would want like the most mild Botox, like literally just around my eyes. And that's it. Like nothing yes. extreme. Just, I want my eyes to be like nice and tight. And that's it. I want to be, maybe, maybe my whole, but you know, that's you know, already tight. You know who I want to be? Who? I want to be Bella Hadid when she got her uh, ponytail facelift and then fox eye lift. Oh my god. You want that good Ariana Grande from like six six months ago when she was like, I'm brown now. And it's like, girl, you white. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. She tried, She put a dope on her chicken one time and look at her now. Um, so anyways, these maids are getting their injections across their foreheads and uh, we then get a little jump cut to the cat house that is McNamara Troy where Mrs. Garcia who is there to correct the injection because they don't know what came in that injection that has caused her to have a Klingon forehead like she just got <laughs> toe up like whatever they put in that injection was not what they said it was Klingon forehead oh my god they I didn't even think about that. that you're right they really did they took when they went to gene roddenberry's makeup book and we're like you know what this is the look for the episode yep truthfully so and just so you guys know this episode is going to jump around like a shit ton so like it's really hard to maintain continuity i'll be honest this is probably one of the more jam-packed episodes we've had in a long time because it's not that it's mostly like the continuity is kind of like at the very beginning but the amount of shit that happens in this episode is a lot, even for a Nip Tuck episode. Like, I was genuinely like, damn, there's a lot of scenes to cover. Yeah, there's a shit ton. There's, like, a lot of whiplash. So, buckle up. Um, Mac and Meritor are like, okay, like, where did you get this at? And they're like, well, we had a friend who went over to Madame Rose's girls. And, uh, you know, they gave us, like, Botox for six people for $600. Like, we were living our fantasy, okay? Like, pero... <laughs> What do you want me to do? I'm I'm making a minimum wage as a maid. Like, what do you want? But my 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 uh, owner's house. They say that they would pay medical bills graciously. So I take uh, I take it and I say no. They're no here, no here. First of all, six hundred dollars for Botox feels like a McDonald's ad. For I don't six know people. Why. For, six for six people. people. For six people, that is a fucking scam and a half. Because yes. the only the only time that I've ever seen a legitimate Botox. Uh, location like an ad for one that I even was like yeah that's actually more reasonable is there was they were like micro injections of Botox for $75 each and it that's wasn't a, and then I, and it did very explicitly say this is not the full experience Botox this is micro it is designed to 
work on very very like specific areas for minor adjustments and it was like okay that's that's even relatively reasonable to me but if I'm I want to get the full there. plastic bag face I need to actually lean in and say two three hundred dollars for a treatment I'm gonna put it out there I listened to a lot of Lori Hill if you guys don't know who she is she's on YouTube she's wonderful she breaks down celebrity surgery allegedly right alleged plastic surgery um yeah alleged like like madonna's yes. alleged new face yes but she really does break it down in a really like well comprehensive way and like what exact procedures would actually do the thing that they're getting um and it's a lot of the time that like she's breaking it down you're like hmm, i never even heard of that procedure before and then you look into it and you're like yeah that's that looks very possible if that is the thing um but yeah she's uh she's pretty well informed give her a view she's worth your time um back to our episode so at this point they're like well what 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 did you get injected in your face and she's like well the man who gave it to me said it was called bobotox and then they like i'm sorry what like uh bobble it and they're like yes that's the doctor's name he named that after himself so we get the return of meryl bobble it and dom it's a lot he looks pretty good for a dead bitch <laughs> I'm going to be honest, this is, the ep- this is the episode where I make a lot of unnecessary references for no good fucking reason. And I'm okay with that. This is but- the episode that I'm horny on the main. <laughs> I mean, this episode is very confusingly horny for very different reasons. It's, this, like, again, this episode's a fucking lot. But I didn't anticipate seeing Meryl back in this way. I don't know why. I just couldn't anticipate him coming back in this way. But I'm glad he's back, I guess. I mean, hey... I mean, I did tell you that he would be back at some point, so... Um, that is true. Yes. Okay, so we cut to the OR, and, uh, you know, Something's Gotta Give by Nikki Costa plays in the background, and I want to say this is so specifically aughts, like... That sound, that fucking song is so time-locked, like, so specifically time-locked to the early 2000s. You play it in any other time zone, it makes no sense. You know what it is? It's like, when you're driving with your friend and out of nowhere... They're like, hey, can you pass me the club for the steering wheel? Thanks. <laughs> that, there is a whole host of people that are listening being like, what the fuck are they talking about? And that's Honestly. how you know we are old. Yeah. And McNamara Troy team is removing silicone bits from her forehead. And, you know, Liz points out that there's necrosis or necrosis to her face. And, you know, they're like, I can't believe that she would do this. Who would do this to some girl? And what? the team like is like, well, what do we do? There's a huge list of like malpractice going on that Bobblet is doing. And Christian then feels like personally responsible, but like, since he's the person that uh, influenced Bobblet to leave during season one, you know, they're just kind of like, well, we got to get this taken care of. So Sean and Liz disagree. And they're like, no, we need to get some serious criminal negligence on his behalf and talk about, you know, going to the police. But Christian is like, no, I want to confront him. I want to shut the shit down. Cause I'm Batman. <laughs> he really put on his Christian Slater voice for this episode really but did. it's really cool that this feels like an actual like an actual realistic callback to a character like you don't we really don't know what the hell Meryl has been doing for up until this point and it actually made sense to me when I was sitting here watching I was like yeah that does seem like he would kind of go off the fucking handle and try and like get himself together and try and do something and truthfully, I want to back up for a second. Out of all the surgery scenes we've had up to this point, this one was, yes, mo- the like the most gross, but it actually didn't bother me as much as others have for some reason. 
Like this one, I actually sat and fully watched and was like interested in them removing these fucking silica bits from the side of her face. And I'm like, why is this the thing that I'm interested in right now? Why is this the one thing that I'm going to focus in on and be like, hey, let's see how this plays out. You know, that's fair. Uh, we then cut to our evil by Prince Adrian being oh the worst drug dealer in Miami-Dade County. He's as a our white baby boy, da- that's why. Yes, white boy Rick. Um, and Miami-Dade County. And our baby daddy, Matt, shows up to bust him for taking from the life coach of evil, Ava's stash. And he's like, what? Like, <laughs> I swiped him. She's got like a whole entire thing filled with them. But you guys were in the shower, showering each other's nether regions. And Adrian stole Matt's jacket and they are fucking. That's, there's no joke to that. that they just <laughs> happen to be facts. Hard facts. <laughs> but the boys bicker about how they didn't ask each other's permission to borrow each other's stuff. And I love the line, you're the asshole, asshole from Adrian. I think that was just so dumb, but I love it. Like that's that is truly teenage boys in itself. That um, is the most that is the most realistic line we've gotten so far in the series. Yeah, and they fight over mommy's affection, Milky's, and attention. Oh, Jesus Christ, you really wrote that, didn't you? I really did. And Adrian headbutts Matt, and Matt throws him hook, and I am hard. Yeah, the the chair that you're basically sitting on is just soaked to the core at this point, just like fully soaked. An entire but- mattress and box spring is gone. <laughs> Just up your ass. God, it's, I'm having some trouble getting it up there. <laughs> I will. It's because I'm so tight. <laughs> it's tight, isn't it? You're, you're not. No, you're not tight. Yours is like a storm shutter. It's just closed. That's true. So, I love the fact that we need to say it. Adrian is so hot and so damaged. And I love him for that. I genuinely love a damaged character and I don't know. And I know it's terrible. It's the blonde hair. It's the blue eyes. It's the leather jacket. It's the mommy daddy issues. It's all of it. And it is so problematic and so toxic, but I don't care. And for those of you who don't know, Seth Gable, uh, he was recently in the most, uh, well, second to most recent episode of American horror stories, the anthology series from Ryan Murphy. Um, and the episode mother's milk with the guy who plays Danny Mott. Oh Jesus! Christ. Actually, no, 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 I lied. That's uh, Cody Fern. That's Cody yeah, Fern. C- Cody Fern. You're thinking of um, it's Cody Fern who actually plays him, but you're thinking of oh, what the f- uh, Finn Whitrock. Yeah, Finn Whitrock. Which um, I I'm gonna take a a brief moment of your time, mm-hmm. and just remind everyone because I still am not physically over Finn Whitrock as Dandy Mott as a character. That character makes me so uncontrollably horny for the wrong reasons, but it's mostly because I'm a writer and I would kill to write a character as absolutely toxic and virulent as him. It's so good to me. That's, it is. that's my heroine, okay? Okay, so Boblet is huffing and uh, Back to Life by Soul to Soul plays in the background and that is an all-time <laughs> gay club banger. Like, this, it, this episode is filled with a lot of gay music, let's be upfront. This episode is just filled with bangers to begin with. Gay, straight, non-binary, whatever. It's just bangers all the way down. Yeah, and we get a, a time lapse, so you know that shit is hitting. Um, his patient looks up to him and, you know, pleads for help because she's been sitting on with a chemical peel for 20 minutes when it should have only been 10. And she's like, can you please care for me? And he's like, no, 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 here, here's a dirty rag. You'll be fine. And she tells him that uh, she's uncomfortable for the first hour, but she'll be okay. Christian then comes in she's to Madame Rose's. Yeah, Madame Rose comes in and or Christian comes in and he's like, uh, I'm looking for the bubble talks. And, uh, you know, he's eschewed to the back as the lady who was uh, getting the peel is stopped 
and examined by Christian, and he extends a free follow-up to her, and Bobola tries to deny this help, exclaiming that he's the best and is ripped off by Christian, who, you know, talks uh, about his fall from grace to him very gently. Bobolet says that he was partnered with the manicurial empire of Madame Rose after her massage business went up for obvious reasons, and Christian then offers to help him, uh, but Bobolet is getting too busy getting high for more than six months. And then Christian tells him that he uh, will help him with his sobriety. And then Madame Rose comes in and goes, no, we don't want it. He needs more gas. He has a full schedule for today. And Christian gets a phone call from Matt, who's being suspended. Never get high on your own supply, Meryl. That's one thing I do know. But Meryl's fall from grace into a literal fucking nail salon, a manicure empire, um, a mana empire, if you will, I don't know. It's so specific, but it feels oddly on brand. Like, it actually kind of makes sense. Even for it being kind of wild, it makes sense. In this being a depressive episode mixed with actual poison in the face of hundreds of uh, women, I mean, Meryl's doing it but out of a nail salon and it's like okay not really the best like this episode this entire sequence of Meryl doing botched surgeries botched Botox on a boat you know genuinely feels legitimate like this feels like this actually happened in the South, in South Miami <laughs> it really does we then get a cut to Ava who is meeting with the high school principal on behalf of the boys and is gaslighting, gatekeeping, and girl bossing her way through this entire conversation. Oh my god, you have no idea. Yeah, and she says that they are both non-conforming, handsome, and overachieving types. So they are obvious targets for ignorant and envious types. And the principal is like, uh, ma'am, I need you to stop immediately because <laughs> you're a fucking pseudoscientist. The, I, I'm gonna say this the absolute vehement rage that somehow managed to find its way out of my soul for this particular sequence of Ava talking. Like, don't get me wrong. Famka, you did a great job. You ate this entire sequence. But it was so absolutely infuriating to watch this character basically sit there and be like, no, you're just wrong. Like, just no. No. No, what do you want? What do you want? A pink drink? Like that energy? It really was. Oh my god! Very much that energy, and I was sitting there just seething over this woman trying to downplay the fact that not only did they get into a full ass fist fight, but one of them has hardcore narcotics on them. It'd be different if this was Adderall. It would be different if this was weed. No, they have Vicodin. That's a full ass on opioid. That's a level one drug for those yes! of you who are not aware of Miami-Dade County. Um, so anyways, Daddy comes home, and the principal's uh, corrected to address Eva as Miss, not Mrs. Love, that. Chris- love I- that. I love that, too. She said, I am a feminist icon, first and foremost. <laughs> it's Ms. with a Z. <laughs> it is, yeah, Ms. Magazine, if you will. <laughs> and Christian, you know, says, I am uh, Dr. Troy, not Dr. McNamara. And uh, I'm Matt's biological father. And then... Principal Wentworth knows that Matt has two dads immediately and goes, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm an ally. Trademark. She literally, she literally went, I know what underpainting is because I'm an ally. Thank you, Brittany Broski. But she literally pulled that card out for a second. She really did. She goes, do you want a bottle of poppers? They're artisanal. 
<laughs> she has just like a candy dish on her desk full of them. There's like double Scorpio, fucking jungle juice platinum, a bottle of rush that never gets touched. Oh, the way I'm going to say this, the way that there was an artist a long time ago on Instagram that also had an Etsy shop that made tiny rush bottle earrings. And I'm still very, very mad that I don't have them. Well, uh, I hate to tell you what your birthday present this year might be. I'm not even joking. You get me those. I will wear them to fucking uh, pride. I will wear them to every pride on you purpose. Better. I will design an outfit around them. You're just going to wear yellow and red and look like you're uh, Winnie the Pooh? I'm going to be like Charlie XCX and just walk around with a bottle of poppers and be like, gay rights. I love that for you. So Matt explains to his daddies, uh, you know, that Adrian says that he grew up with a dad or without a dad. And he was just like, you know what? Matt can be uh, my real daddy if he tames his smooth twink or his smooth twink brat hole. He's just like, I'm presenting, okay, like a cat. Oh my god. When they do their stretch and they just put their asshole immediately to your face and they're like, what are you doing? And, uh, I mean, he can pretend that Matt is his father because he is screwing Ava, but without a beat, Ava confirms that they are lovers and without a beat after that because she's like, I was also his life coach. And Adrian decides to double the nanty and (laughs) says that Matt is a premature ejaculator and the principal Wentworth is just like having none of this romper and fuckery whatsoever she says per policy six months is what you are going to be suspended for which I have to say six months is a long ass fucking time they would just put you in fucking expulsion at that point in my high school so um Ava says to deal with it or no deal bitch try me Uh (laughs) (laughs) and Christian chimes in with a little bit of bribery and he goes uh you know we can uh we can help you out with that right and uh principal wentworth is like you know what i'm gonna call this a lack of presence and materialism that causes this because i'm a communist and ava says you look like a bitter bit and you better get and get better not bitter and then suggests that she gets a facelift <laughs> and ava and Christian argue about the boy's suspension and Ava reasons, Daddy, please, I love him. Do this for me. Uh, I'm gonna just... Okay, let's let's take a moment. Because if you actually watch this episode, this scene collectively is a fucking lot. Like, four times throughout this entire sequence, Robert, I genuinely had to, like, scream like Juno Birch. Pause, pause, hold everything, hold everything. Like, in the exact same cadence. Because you not only get, like, okay, we're getting this situation where Christian is obviously stepping into a fathering role for Matt, and Adrian's there, and Ava's there, and they're going to have this confrontation, but you get that, and then you get this incredibly, like, left swipe, which is fucking them being, like, they're being assumed to be gay, like, their parents are being assumed to be gay, I mean, Christian and Sean, also followed up by no, Matt's my lover. Like, bitch, you're like 40. Like, could you imagine this principal's day for just a minute? Just out of the long eight and a half, nine hours that this bitch works, she's sitting there in an uncomfortable pair of shoes that are really ugly in an office that she's decorated to just from Pottery Barn for the last three months because she's like, I have nothing better to do with my life. And this fucking conversation swoops in after a student is assaulted and is found to have fucking Vicodin narcotics on them. Like, I'm genuinely trying to, like, think of how I would react in this, and I'd be like, 
This is a lot. Even in a comical sort of sense. This is a lot. I mean, I like that she was really unfazed by the fact he, well, Matt is revealed to be in, well, a lover of Ava's. And she's like, look, I've seen a lot of families come through here. I know, right? I was like, like, this is not the most shocking thing I've seen. It's like, there's a worse? (laughs) Well, I mean, it is in Florida, so let's be upfront. Okay, like Jerry Springs are from here. I hate to say it. Okay, that's true, but I would love to understand what is worse than this at this point. I mean, Ron this DeSantis. is me being very... Okay, yeah, but, you know, Ron DeSantis <laughs> in and of itself is a problem. But we're not going to get into Marsha Taylor Green. Y- yes, she is another problem as well. But yeah. I love the fact that they're like... That, they're, that Ava's entire thing is like, we have to be concerned for them, Christian, because how else are they going to be, be applying to college? It's like, you think your fucking cracked out son is going to be able to maintain in college? But he can't even maintain in a public school setting. I mean, I'm not saying that he wouldn't flourish in college, but you know that he would get passed around by everybody and it would be a great time for that college campus. Bitch, if this was if this show was set and this character existed in modern times and this motherfucker went to college, he would have an OnlyFans within an in he would walk on campus and they would hand him his login information. And it would just be to an OnlyFans. And it would be a bottle of poppers with a bottle of, like, a gift basket. Like, here you go. This is what your future is going to be. And you're right. I'm not even going to deny. He would flourish in college being the pass-around party bottom who happens to have a good connect to drugs. I will not deny that. I knew several people like that. I dated a version of that. And I'm okay with that. I just want to say if Nico Tortorella can do it, then so can he. I swear to fucking God. This is what our podcast is going to slowly become as the show progresses on, is just us reading other gay celebrities for being trashy and not acknowledging that they're trashy. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're not going to get into the number of other people that I dragged on Twitter this week, so that's fine. Um, I'm um, immediately going to your Twitter. (laughs) I'm talking about the conversations that we had on Twitter about the the list of people that I cannot stand. Um, (laughs) Tom, I I just want to say that you point out that you can't with Ava. You cannot stand I, her. I can't stand her in this sequence. Like the, like I've said, like I said, this episode is the episode that really shifted my perspective on Ava from okay, she's an interesting character to being you are a fucking villain and I hate everything about you. I just want to say that we would for sure be friends with her in real life because I don't want you to kid yourself. We would get free drinks from her and she would steal her money and she would push us to grow as people. Because she's but, a life coach. But she would also siphon us some drugs and other gay men, and you know that. You oh, know for that for sure. A fact. You know that she would bring in every hot twink in the next, like, far neighboring counties of where we are. Oh, she would bring in the most damaged top I've ever slept with. Like, you thought my ex was damaged? Like, we're talking, like, fucked. We're she said bad like... credit, but a good cook. Definitely a line <laughs> cook. He, ju- he looks just like Jeremy cook. Allen White. He looks just like head- Jeremy Allen White from fucking The Bear. There you go. He, have at it. He's not. A, he's not a head chef. He's third in the in the chain of command that is a line cook, and that's all he's ever gonna be. That's all he ever wants to be. Nothing more. Nothing less. He lives in a one room bedroom apartment that is filthy. That his fridge only has fucking Pabst Blue Ribbon in it or Natty Ice. Nothing more. Nothing less. He only you smokes Parliaments. Absolutely. Only smokes Parliaments. If not Newports. I, it, it, I feel like it'd probably be Newports 
because they're more name brand. But I feel like he'd probably smoke Parliaments if he drank Pabst Blue Ribbon because they're off-brand. He's like, I'm edgy. And it's like, not really. You're kind of fucking failing at life right now, homie. His credit score is at 350 at best. But you and I both know, you and I both know, and I can say this, as God is my witness, my hands on my Madonna records, that dick would change my life. <laughs> it would alter the course of it my would change, humanity. You know why it would? Because he would steal your identity. Yeah, it, he would. I would I would wake up the next day and I wouldn't have a kidney or a social security card anymore. Oh, God, I love where we went with this. Okay, so anyways. Um, <laughs> that might, I'm sorry, sometimes it happens. Sometimes we just hit it. Yeah, and then you know what, you know what the boys are operating to in our next scene? Oh, God. One of the gayest songs of all time, Key West by the Village People. I, the fact that they went to Key West by the Village People and they're operating on the principle the bangers again the yeah, gay the bangers, bangers they this have. was this was charlie xcx before charlie xcx i mean you know who's charlie x before charlie xcx and i'm gonna i'm gonna say it oh god I, i'm gonna say it say it with your full chest i know that everyone's gonna be like it was lady gaga no i hate for, I hate for you to find out this way it wasn't it wasn't you want to know who it was kids do you really want to know yes daddy Okay. It was redacted. I'm joking. Uh, it would be <laughs> <laughs> Natalia Kills, probably. I don't know. I feel like Natalia Kills actually had a pretty solid like discography, or like Dragonette, for example, or even the the girl who was on the near now or the new now next awards. Um, that was from Sweden. Oland. Yeah, there we go. I'm gonna fully lean in with my chest. Little boots, with... even. Little boots, yes. But I'm going to say it was more Natalia Kills because Natalia Kills, even when she started out, was incredibly toxic. Yeah. Nadia O. Nadia <laughs> O would even qualify. Um, Amanda Blank. Not you pulling out these fucking MySpace peaches? references. Pe- absolutely on Peaches. You don't yeah. even have to go any further. Early Peaches, we're done. We can move on from this conversation because you said it. <laughs> okay. So Mrs. Wentworth, or Principal Wentworth is getting this all done. And, uh, you know, Sean thinks that Christian has slept with the principal and he's like what are you doing with my my son's principal and he's like well uh see i didn't sleep with her um i was being daddy and sean is testy he said look bitch this is my this is my child my son you don't tell me how to raise my baby what'd you say about my baby why'd you bring my baby into my conversation yeah it's a lot and it's like a bad girls club where you're like (sighs) don't talk about my kid don't bring my kid into the conversation. I'll whoop your ass right now, Rima. I'm going to walk into your house tomorrow. I'm going to kick the door in and I'm just going to be like, hi. 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 Hi, boo. Hey, Literally. hi. That's what you're trying to say. Absolutely. It's the... Look, uh, you're, the, you're the bad Gemalina, girl of this podcast, okay? Yeah. Gemalina, it's the Twisted... Not even the Twisted Sisters uh, season. It's the one before. It's... It is... A lot. I love that season. Gemmelina and the Claremont twins were the fucking stars of that season. And no one yeah. can convince me otherwise. Yes. And, and I, I, I will take your word for it. Which, I've said this to you before in private, but it is genuinely shocking that of all the shows I have not watched is that one. And it feels like something that would be right up my alley when I'm high is to watch Bad Girls Club. Maybe I should start doing that. Maybe I should just get high and watch some You know what we're going to do on recommend. Sunday morning when you come out this weekend? Oh my we're going to watch the second season or the fifth season of Bad Girls Club. 
You're gonna make you're gonna trap me in your house and make me watch all of Bad Girls Club. I'm not gonna make you watch all of Bad Girls Club, but you need to watch season two and you need to watch um season five for sure. Or even oh season God. one, because season one, the original Bad Girl, Ripsy, is a fucking menace to society and I love her. I would You are the original Bad Girl. She no, she literally was so hammered and fought the entirety of the fucking house. It was ridiculous. A girl is sleeping, right? And she confuses her for another blonde and she just jumps this bitch out of nowhere. Honestly, us. And then she, they're like, they're like, Ripsy, why did you jump Julie? And she's like, I love Julie. I would never hurt her. And they're like, but we have it on camera. Literally, it's so good. Oh <laughs> and the God. other girls are like, you fought her. You just fought her. Why'd you fight her? Early 2000s television. See, that maybe maybe that's the direction this podcast just needs to go is early two thousands television. Because people really fucking forget some of the shit that was on in the late nineties, early two thousands. We had it was like the beginning of reality television, so anything happened. I like, need you, you to you know what Kardashians show I need you to watch? Wild? What? You know what show I need you to watch? Is a what? shot at Love with Teal Tequila season one. Oh my god. And the way two. I know, but the way that I will watch Shot at Love if you will watch Flavor of Love with me. Because I remember watching both seasons of Flavor of Love and actually being really unnecessarily invested into it. Okay, you know what I'm going to suggest? That we do, after Nip talked, we're going to do a Flavor of Love podcast and then we're also <laughs> going to do a Rock of Love podcast because I need you to talk about Rock of Love too because Rock of Love is so... Oh, God, it's so good. It's, I've, I've been watched both of these like at work recently they're oh god they they hold up so well i think the question that needs to be answered before we do that aside from finishing this episode of this podcast is i want to watch the first celebrity dating show because if i'm not mistaken i'm almost positive it was flavor of love but i could be very much wrong and it's not the bachelor i don't want to watch the bachelor i i can't remember but there's one more that I, and we'll look into it obviously but there's one that i know is the first like cele- date the celebrity show i'm pretty sure it is flavor of love it's it's the first one that i can think of it's really good um so anyways back to our show uh at fraternity x matt walks in on adrian in the bathroom and asks matt if uh you know you want to know what i'm drawing what i've been doing in here don't you want to know and then uh says it, that it's involved with his right hand and I just have to say, horny are we? And insists that Matt will want to see what he's done and uh, it's actually a drawing of them Eiffel Towering Principal Wentworth saying that she likes it rough and uh, he's like you know what, I want to point out astutely that I got the likeness of your cum face that's your O face Matt, do you see that? it's real spot on I've heard, I've, uh, you know, heard it plenty. And then Matt says, Daddy did a lot for us today, so you should be thankful. And reconsider your life choices, you little bitch. And they both start to uh, piss, and Adrian pisses in a soap dispenser because... He's dead. Chaos? Yeah, for chaos. And they uh, talk about how daddies are there and uh, how they're there for a hunt. And then they uh, agree to a truce between the two of them as another student named Trevor comes in and uh, he's like, you know what? Don't use that sink. Use the one over here. And it's the soap dispenser that he pissed in and he starts washing his hands and it smells it. And I'm just like, uh, can you, you, 
you didn't even use the bathroom, sir. Why are you just washing your hands? Because television, first of all. That's fair. Second, yeah, second of all, this this scene is so homoerotic, it's not even funny. Like, homoerotic is not even the proper, proper term for this fucking scene anymore. It's very, very gay. And it's very confusingly so gay because you, you literally have these characters in the restroom dicks out with like the like Matt and Adrian have very close confrontations for some reason where they almost kiss a lot in this episode and even previously and I'm like so which is it are they actually gonna fuck or are they just gonna be like within each other's personal space because I'm gonna be honest with you the only thing that came to mind when Adrian mentioned Matt's O-Face the only fucking thing that could make any sense to me at all is the fact that Adrian is jerking off while watching this going on that is the only thing that makes sense in my head to me. Why the fuck would you know what this looks like? Why would you even make that comment? I wouldn't even make that comment. And I'm weird when it comes to sex sometimes. But that's weird. It's so out of place. And it's like, dude, whoever's writing this is very actively like, well, we're just going to take some pages out of the gay porn that I watched last night and see what happens. I was going to say, it's no longer subtextual. It's just blatant. It's point. really blatant. They're literally breath... Like, they're... Like I Next said, to the power of a dog, this is so homoerotic. It's ridiculous. Yeah, this ep- this episode in particular really, really str- is trying to make us want these two characters to fuck for some reason. And I don't know, maybe this is just us as queers reading this, or maybe maybe I'm totally wrong here. But the entire presentation that we have of Matt and Adrian being like actual complementary foils to one another, which is really interesting, is really fucking set up in this scene too because you have matt who's actually pissing in the toilet and then you have adrian who's actively trying to cause chaos because you know chaos goblin but it's like what the hell who is writing these characters at this point well i just want you to know that like yeah i just want you to know that matt will specifically become adrian for the rest of the series after the season okay like he absorbs him in the womb (laughs) There, and I like to think that Adrian is just a figment of Matt's imagination at this point. It's he's a reflection of who he will become. It's like I'm you, but hornier. <laughs> it really is. Okay, so back to Boblet and uh, the nails in NA. Sorry, I'm I'm ahead of myself. Back to Boblet and NA, and says that uh, you know Christian is the reason that he is there as a sponsor, and also the thing that has costed him to be there. And uh, the wig that they have on this man is so bad. I don't know if you saw the wig line, Dom. I had to point it out. Well, it's not a lace front, so we can tell that much. It is a hard front. I'm going to say this, too, because you talk about wigs. Not my TikTok fully recommending me a three-part series of this wonderful black TikToker explaining to the audience how to properly put on a wig from start to finish. And me getting actually educated on how to put on a lace front wig. So now Dumb. I have an unnecessary skill, and I'm very happy about it. You never knew how to use okay. Like wait until you get, wait until you graduate to a 3D lace front wig, where you actually have to like put on your foundation onto the wig lace first, and then oh no, it in. that that's what she was doing. Okay, so okay, you okay, you learned it right. Um, so anyways, yeah. back to the <laughs> so back I'm prepared. To the yeah. So uh, he says, you know, uh, the wig that they have on this man, he's like, you know what, I love you, Daddy, to Christian when he's, you know, giving his first introduction speech at AA, or NA, rather. And he's like, I'm a, and I'm just a whole. I love you, Daddy, and I'm just a whole. Full sentence. Uh, 
And then they eye a lady named Hannah who commends Bobolet, but she's not there to talk to him. She wants to fuck Christian so actively because he's catnip. And Bobolet is so jealous. And he's like, Daddy isn't going to be giving you cummies. And then right when that happens, Christian gets another call from Matt and he goes, no, no, no. Call Daddy Sean this time. Every time I... God, I really need to start reading your notes when you type them because... (sighs) You're testing me, big guy. You're welcome. Uh, I still don't know actually how to respond to this entire sequence of what you just wrote or what you just said (laughs) on podcast. You said this with your full mouth and chest. I really did. You said, Um, you know what? We're going to put the word cummies in an actual document that my friend is going to see and then put it into a podcast that the world has the potential to listen to. Just wait until I talk about the Omegaverse at some point. I swear to God, I'm going to choke you out. (laughs) Okay, so at our second parent-teacher conference... (laughs) I'm going to actively leave you tomorrow. (laughs) I hope you do. Uh, At our second parent-teacher conference, Mrs. Wentworth is talking... Sorry, Principal Wentworth, because let's give her her title. She's a principal. She earned Uh, it. Yeah, she did. She earned it. Uh, Meets with Ava and Sean, and they do not have the same chemistry. Um, And, you know, they're like, we're here because we have a piss-related incident that is not at a urinal. And neither were your boys the urinals, so this is also a problem. Um, And Ava Ava says, you know... We're not shaming the kink community, by the way. (laughs) Yes. She goes, you know what? Uh, Boys, and I'm speaking as Ava... It's time to hit the bricks. And then Sean says, I am father, not daddy mode. And threatens Adrian with, you know, a spanking. And Adrian is like, ooh, do it harder. Put the cigarette out of my tongue, even. (laughs) Pull me with the rack at both ends. Wild horses can even take me away. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's my safe word. And uh, what your safe word is take me away. Wild, no, horses. wild horses can't even take me away. <laughs> wild, you know what? Wild horses would be a good one. Um, <laughs> and Thank you know, Sean Boyle, yeah. And uh, Sean threatens Adrian, who I, I'm sorry, I've reread that line. Sean turns the tables on Ava and punishes Matt for a lack of boundaries and threatens him to send him to uh, military school if he does not behave. And Ava calls Sean on his threat, and Sean lays it out. He goes, look, I will ruin you, lady. Here's, I... here's my five-point plan and a PowerPoint like presentation if you want, a, a play-by-play if you want. I... Sean showed up and said, I am daddy with a capital D in this scene. Bold text, full front. Bold, bold text, full face, frontal nudity, everything. It was so good and i don't know why i am so horny for it it is very confusing but clearly i need someone that dominant in the bedroom at least once or twice in my life i'm just saying but i do appreciate that they allowed sean to be unhinged and be very determined in his character for the first time in a long time in this series we actually get sean being a really significant parent And it sounds totally stupid and totally subversive to what this show is about. But these moments actually help us really redefine his character. And it's so refreshing and so wonderful to see him literally look Ava in the face and be like, 
I will fucking ruin you purposefully. I will destroy everything that you hold near and dear because I fucking can. And truthfully, I was hoping there was a part of me that just hoped he would have said that when Ava was like, I don't take, I don't appreciate your empty threats, Sean. I really wanted him to like snap back and be like, well, you should, because I have nothing to, nothing to lose at this point. Because Sean's really at the point where he has nothing to gain or lose at this point. His family is totally fractured. His son is acting out. I think Annie's the only one that's remotely stable at this point. He had to fix fucking Julia's face last episode. Christian, he still hasn't repaired the relationship with. Like, really and truly, Sean is at this point, this really cool precipice as a character right now, where I want him to become more and more and more unhinged within reason. At the palatial fuck uh, condo that Ava (laughs) resides in, Adrian comes up to Matt. In a robe. He is only wearing a robe. And he's feeling good. He's had eight glasses of wine. That's right. I was waiting for you to catch that line. Uh, because all of his clothes are gone. And Ava then struts in with the gardener's son. And says to Adrian, you know, Oh, I'm sorry. Did I need to uh, dress you down immediately? You little bitch. You want mommy's attention? Mm. Oh my god. You're so lame because you want mommy's attention? Mm. Okay, yeah. Mm. Real interesting, okay, mommy? And then Adrian points out, like, why is the gardener's son in my clothes? And Adrian goes, or, I'm sorry, Ava goes, you know what, Matt, honey, uh, I want you to take these out to the car, along with the uh, gardener's son, and I'm gonna have a conversation with my son. Okay? Thanks. Thanks, babe. Thanks, baby. And then Matt, you know, does whatever she asks because he's pussy whipped by her femme dom mommy. Got you by the balls. Gok gok 3000 cock destroyer power. <laughs> and Matt is, uh, you know, you know, putting up the clothes. And I just want to say, like, her heel and cigarette on Adrian that she puts out on him are just so crazy hard. And she goes, don't fuck with me. You are going to behave and do what I say when I say. And just hisses at him like a rattlesnake. The thing that, yeah, we're going to take a moment and just openly laugh about this moment for a second. Because they have the audacity to give us a fully nude Adrian once. And the one time it could happen again and actually make sense in terms of scene and character. And we don't get it. It feels very, very blue balling, very, very orgasm denial that I'm not a fan of. But we also get two very in- important things from this sequence here. Aside from the fact that Matt is totally fucking pussy whipped and they're basically using the gardener's son as this ethnic character as a stand in, which, hey, you know, South Miami, hey. We also get that Ava has an Achilles heel that she herself doesn't even realize. It's her relationship with Matt. Yes. And it's presented very... I I don't know if this was done... Maybe it's just me thinking that it's more subtle because I want to give myself more credit. But to me, it felt like it was very, like, glossed over. The fact that what she tells Adrian at the very end is he needs to behave because he's putting her relationship with Matt in jeopardy. Not because she's actually concerned for him. She does not give a shit about Adrian. 
Not much is established here. She's only concerned about him behaving long enough so she can continue to fuck Matt. And if you don't think that that's really smooth writing and character transition to give us an experience and to give us a little peek into who Ava is as a character, you're a fucking moron because that was perfect. Mm -hmm. It was so good. And then here's where we crank up the episode to 11 for no reason. Oh yeah, for no fucking reason. Yeah, at McNamara Troy, they are, you know, tending to the cat house per usual. And they have this little whorehouse in Miami. Yeah, that's true. Uh, They are consulting with a woman who wants to look like J-Lo. Because it's the early 2000s and Latina women had nothing better to look up to than to look up to J-Lo. And that was the standard. Not Gloria Stefan, not even Celia Cruz. You got J-Lo. Not even Paula Abdul. Well, I mean, should we look up to Paula? Was I mean, she on American Idol by this point? Uh, I, yeah, maybe the first season because I think it premiered in two thousand two, two thousand three. Maybe it was. It premiered very early in the two thousands. I do remember that. Yeah. No, it premiered in two. It, I, I want to say two thousand one. I'll look into it. Never mind. Keep going. Okay, so this woman wants to look like J Lo, and I just want to say honestly, aim higher, girl. Thank you. Say it fucking louder. Yeah. And uh, she's like, you know, I want all these procedures uh, aside from her ass because I already got that. I'm a Latina, so I already got the ass. I got the hips. I got it all. Except for the J-Lo. The J-Lo vocation. And, uh, you know, since she has a really high pain tolerance, she goes, you know, we can do this all in one go, okay? Like, And I'm like, Heidi Montag, that's like 15 procedures. Fucking chill. Right? <laughs> and Sean is like, you don't need to be J-Lo. You look like you. And, uh, you know, it's breaking down the cost and it's going to be around 50K. And she's like, no, 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 it's good. I'm good. It's good. It's good. Don't worry. I thought that it would be that much. I got you after I get this done. Because you know why? I got after pay. She and really, like, they she really, really were like, no. Yeah, she, they both declined because she literally was like, I can pay with Klarna, right? And they're like, no, girl, we need this now, not later. The Klarna. <laughs> The once, the twice, the three times, and then the fourth. And then the Klarna. But my family used to feed me bread. <laughs> but I, I, first of all, that accent. Second the Swedish of all, accent I love. I, I do love it too. But I love the fact that this bitch comes in and says this was their full, full voluptuous chest. She's fine. Like they picked the perfect actress for this because she's genuinely pretty from the jump. And then she's like, but I want to look like J-Lo. And I'm like, girl, this is J-Lo in 2002. Like, J-Lo in 2002 was gorgeous, yes. I would prefer to be like J-Lo in 2022, where she's crossing 50 and looks absolutely fucking fabulous. That's you just can me, think though. retouching. I'm, I'm, I'll think retouching until the cows come home. I use Facetune. Also, Matt Barnes. We love you, Matt Barnes. Or See, Scott exactly. Barnes. Scott Barnes, that's his name. Scott Barnes can really do it all. Like, he can contour to the high heavens. Him contouring, I don't know if you saw him contouring uh, Tati Westbrook. No, but oh I God. will look it into is, it now. It is a masterclass of painting. It's kind of, I, I hope it's not like when um, Katya got painted by Fame, and she came out looking exactly like Fame, and Fame no. was like, I don't have a style, and they're like, bitch, really? You paint everyone exactly the same. No, you want to know who it is? Is uh, It's like Willem, that one time that they're in the green dress and then go hooking immediately after. <laughs> You know exactly who I'm talking about, too. Yes, I do. Yeah. That's the worst part. 
Yes, it's it's perfect. Um, so anyways, Boblet is, you know, about to relapse and he needs daddy's validation as Hannah comes up and goes, mm, where's daddy? Do you need your daddy? Oh, well, baby. Does and this hole just, need a handhold? Yeah, and she's just like fully soaked for Christian. <laughs> like, yeah. He's standing in the hallway. Next thing you know, it's like the floodgates have opened and he's just washed away from the scene. <laughs> Her pants were two shades lighter before she got to near Christian. Honestly. It's like Titanic, that scene where, uh, you know, Rose is about to go under. Ah. Literally just. <gasps> yeah. So. <laughs> She said, that's some wet-ass pussy. Uh, Sean and Christian, you know, trade barbs over Felicia Naves as a.k.a. wannabe Jello and uh, Principal Whitworth and their ethics. And then Christian goes on to a diatribe about the envy that, you know, is going on here because he envies Sean. And this also correlates to Adrian envying Matt and Boblet envying Christian. And gays and straights alike, there we have it. We have our theme, Envy. This episode's theme is Envy. Can you say Envy? envy? That's right. Envy. Sponsored by AdamforAdam.com. I'm surprised they just didn't name, you know, Felicia Naves as Envy. I mean, really and truly at this point, they should have because... When this conversation happens between Sean and Christian, it's so really heavy-handed. It's not even trying to hide. Like, you get, like, you know, if you had episodes in the past where they very actively try to hide the theme, this one is so, like, slap in the face. This is what it's about in this moment. And it's really fucking confusing. It's great. I love it. Um, so from there, we get Boblet operating on Felicia as she is getting high, or while well, he's getting high. And then Madam Rose comes in finally again because we love this co-star. She's she's great. Um, and she's like, you know, uh, I don't think you should be doing that right now. She's not doing this very well. You take it out a lot from her because he's performing liposuction. Next thing you know, she flatlines. Yeah, she flatlines while he's high. And uh, she dies. And Madam Rose is like, okay, I got a solution. We chop her up. And he's like, what? And she's like, we chop her up, little pieces, I'll get a suitcase. This bitch has a past and I'm more interested in learning about her from this single scene right here because she went from A to fucking L to, to number three. Real quick. She crossed, literally she literally went from like, oh, I'm a side character. Well, get the saw. Better cut her fucking leg out and just start sawing away at her. You know what she's like? She's like, she's on Dexter. Yeah, she acted like she was a serial killer on Dexter. Oh my god, a crossover episode with this show would have been so good. Literally Dylan Walsh and fucking, uh, what's his name from Dexter? Uh, the main guy. What's his name? Um, I know you know it. I know, I know who it is, but I don't know what it is. Michael C. Hall? Yeah, Michael C. Hall. There we go. Yeah, Michael C. Hall and Dylan Walsh, they, they're literally the same man. I'm gonna say it, if I ever wrote a television show at this point, if I, like anything that revolved around medical drama... I would fully have both Dylan Walsh and, um, oh, I can't remember his name Michael right C. Hall. Now. Not Michael C. Hall. He plays Christian. What the hell's his name? I'm blinking out. You're talking about our Christian? Yes, our Christian. Julian McMahon. Yeah, I would have Dylan Walsh and Julian McMahon totally fucking come back and revive their roles for a single episode. I want them to be in a single episode, but actually as gay lovers. They, they've come out. 
In our multiverse? In our multiverse, they are totally fucking each other, and Christian is 100% the bottom. And Brett Michaels is there to officiate their wedding. For no good reason. And Flavor Flav is in attendance as the uh, minister. And New York Pollard is standing there as well, being like, I don't understand why they're getting married. <laughs> I would love to see that. Does our does our multiverse make any sense? No, but does Marvel's? Not really either, because they're trying to get us ready for Secret Wars. That's what they're trying to do, folks. That's really what they're doing to us. Um, so anyways, back to our main plot. Uh, Matt is being a good boy, cleaning up the cat house, and reminds Shaking his dad. Shaking out the litter box. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Dad, and by dad I mean Sean, you know, he used to let me feed the fish here, and this feels like home. Do you want to go home and have some pizza and watch a game of sports ball on the TV? I still chortle when, when I read that line that you wrote, sports ball. But he very much tells me, he's like, Daddy, I want to be domesticated with you. And it's like, okay, cool. And I, <laughs> Literally, I, we've never seen this side of Matt ever. No, we never see this side of Matt, and we don't ever see it again from here on out. I know for a fact we will not see this from here Well, yeah, out. because he's going to absorb uh, Adrian in the womb. Yeah in the womb and it's going to be very erotic for some reason oh yes but i'm going to take a brief moment of time here and talk about something that i do find important is it's that this particular moment is very very saccharine and very very sweet and i actually liked it i think that this show could despite it being a little bit whacked out at times and being a little out of boundaries because i mean literally we went from a woman chopping another woman's leg off to this moment without very much of a breath. I think that the show, I don't know if we're going to get more of these moments, but I think the show really benefits from having moments like this really, really tender, sweet moments that make it feel a little bit more human. Even if they're ever so slightly out of context and out of character for certain people, it makes sense that you could have these conversations. It makes the show a little bit more wholesome. And I think, Ryan Murphy does a fairly okay job of balancing the saccharine with the bitter. I could be a little bit wrong, and we'll have to wait and see how the rest of this season goes. But I think he does a pretty good job. And I like this scene. Just going to say that. We're almost done with season two, just so you guys remember. Yeah, we're really almost there. We're really, really close. We're so close we can feel it. We can. We're like two or three episodes away. Um, So Christian appears... Uh, to call him out for... Sorry, I totally skipped a line. Boblet is rushing to get out the door when Christian appears and calls him out for skipping an A and notices that there's a lot of blood on the table from Felicia. And, you know, Madame Rose knocks him out and says, we need another suitcase to hide his body. Which, again, she's such a scene stealer. Make a series about her. Why Honestly. did her manicure empire get shut down? Why does well, she not have we know massage why. options anymore? Well, we know why, but you know. Yeah. So anyways. It's fun to see the, the sausage being made in this instance. Yeah, I would say. I, I'd be interested. Well, interested. She'd be like the new kingpin. Um, tied to the table, Boblet tortures Christian, reminding him that they were on the same path and that he just got lucky because he's a hottie McHot pants. And Christian tries to reason with him as Boblet says that he wants Christian's face as he cuts his own forehead and huffs some more. So Christian uses him or uses this to convince him to operate on himself first. He's like, look, you're going to need the tissue. You need to cut off your own face. And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm high enough. Let's do it. And Boblet like starts cutting off his own face as Christian struggles to get free. And Boblet passes out from, you know, 
cutting his own face off and another patient comes to rescue and free Christian. I'm going to be honest. I was anticipating this scene to be a hell of a lot more graphic than it was, but that's just me. Apparently they used all their makeup budget for this episode on her fucked up forehead at the very beginning and the surgery that followed. So they had to like make do with the shitty scalpel from, you know, spirit Halloween that squirts blood everywhere. So I'm going to stop you right there because they spent all the budget on their last two guest stars that we're going to get in this season. Yeah. Hulu kind of spoiled one of them because her image is right at the very forefront of the episode, but we'll get there. We'll get there. But there's a whole ass other guest star and I'm not going to tell you who it is because they're a surprise twist guest star. That's fair. Um, Okay. Buckle up, Dom. Because back at Ava's, Adrian confronts her. Her sex palace? Yeah, her sex... (laughs) Her sex palace, for sure. She's definitely, like, on the set of, like, a cocky boy shoot, for sure. Like, this house has for sure been rented out before. Um... (laughs) This house is used for several things, and not one of them has been actually able to be shown on normal television. That's the truth. That Zen Garden has seen a lot of stuff in its day. Um, so Adrian confronts Ava, saying that he won't let her do this anymore. And as far as hurting him goes, and he admits that he needs her and is humiliated by the relationship that she has with Matt and asks how he can make her love him again. And you're like, okay, this isn't that bad yet, right? Yes. And then the tension shifts so dramatically to a sexual nature, and they begin to weep and embrace one another. Well, Adrian says, you know, he gave her his soul, and we're like, oh. And we, everyone in the audience collectively is like, wait, what? Until the next line reading where he begs, Please, mommy, please. As they get closer to one another and kiss passionately, then make out. End of episode. And that's where shit got weird. But this is me saying this to you, Robert, and to our dear audience of listeners. Am I the only one that genuinely wants to be a fly on the wall when Fumka read this scene for the first time because i would kill i would fully sacrifice a child right now if it guaranteed that i could watch this entire experience with no hindrance whatsoever this entire episode as a first time table read would have been fucking wild to experience and i just want all of our listeners to know that this next episode is like hardcore like just going to be about this so it's just gonna be about this yeah it's gonna be really fucking dark so be prepared like next episode is like probably one of the darkest episodes of the entire series you thought you had a trigger warning just wait yeah no literally this is one of the biggest trigger warning episodes possible in the series how would we i think you're the only one that can actually say it but i think i'll say it next time when we actually get to this episode it's like hey if you are a sensitive person to this 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 and this Skip the next episode. We'll be here next week. Come back. Yeah, but I, I want everybody to know that there's a twist that is going to undo all this damage. So, like, we'll we'll get there when we get there. Um, it's it's not. Don't don't go into this looking well. Okay, like if you were a, a person who was eagerly triggered by the concept of, um, let's say, family on family relationships that are inappropriate, or uh, any type of like implied statutory and or child abuse um 
it, it's there. Just skip the it's episode. It's very there. Yeah, it is not for you, honey. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing is that I think yesterday I, I actually had an interesting conversation, not about that entire subject, but about this show as a whole, and especially because how this episode ends. And I think you and I have had this conversation both on and off the podcast. The fact that this show exists and was on public television, so to speak. I say public very loosely. Not it was on it wasn't on fucking PBS Masterpiece Theater. It was on cable network TV. Yeah, it was on cable network TV. Thank you. The fact that this show exists and was on cable network TV during the time period that it was is really a fucking testament to a network going out on a limb and taking a huge risk. A huge risk. Because I know you and I have talked about this at least once, but this show was so controversial at the time. Yeah, this was very salacious. Like, this is up there with, like, dynasty levels of, like, salaciousness. Yeah, for the era that it was produced for and presented in, I genuinely do remember there being news stories and conversations on the early stages of the internet about nip tuck and how absolutely raunchy and salacious it was i don't remember this specific episode being talked about but i remember being in the aura of this show as a whole how dark it was how sexual it was and really and truly by today's standards because we have access to shows like euphoria because we have shows, access to shows like Queer oh, Folk this and way. Elite. No, no, no. It totally did. But what I'm getting at is that we have to keep in mind as viewers watching this, for the time frame that it was released, the early 2000s, this was basically the equivalent of softcore porn on television. It was so yeah. graphic. It was so extreme. And it was so unlike really anything that was on basic cable at the time. Because if I'm not mistaken, FX came with a basic cable package because nothing was on it at the time except reruns. It was so like, are you fucking kidding? And I remember I remember being in like middle school, high school and listening to like the quote unquote mature people talk about how they were watching this show and being like gobsmacked by it. Because I was a different person back then, but we were all different people. That's true. Um, I just want to say too, like this show, like, is really swept under the rug um, in terms of, like, what we talk about, like, cable network primetime, like, cable network TV was. And there was a lot of really good, like, primetime cable network TV that was, like, pretty thought-provoking. But this is a, a very, very provocative show. And yeah. uh, we are barely touching the surface because wait until we get to season five. Season five is so fucking, like, next-level for no reason whatsoever. Like it it did not need to be as raunchy as it gets. I think it's prom I think it's um accurate to say at the very minimum that this show not only is kind of a building block of modern television, but that it also really introduced a level of drama, sex, and aggressive violence. That really hadn't been seen on television in, in, in really in years. Yeah. Because this, at, this was prestige television. Oh, yeah. It totally was because I genuinely remember, like I said, I remember the fucking shit that happened with this show and it's fucking crazy. This show is a lot. And, and you're right. It does get swept under the rug. I think that I really wish we could expand our, our, um, 
our viewership, so to speak, our listenership, because I think that this show, you're right, does get swept under the rug and doesn't get enough conversation around the fact that this was the beginning of really what we have now as modern television. The sex, the violence, the drama, the nuance, the fucking care. The, the entire cast eats in this show. It does so well. And it really doesn't get its just due in a lot of situations. Yeah, Ryan Murphy really was at the forefront of TV at this time. And, uh, I, you know, he still is. He has gone on to do a lot of prolific works in multiple genres. Um, and I, I'm really, really fascinated to see American Love Story one. Um, that's something that's going to be coming out here really soon. And then also American Sports Story, which will be the Aaron, uh, Aaron Hernandez story. That's going to be a lot. I want to yeah. watch that one, but that one's going to be very, very difficult, even for me to watch. I've, I've, if you're interested, by the way, listeners, all of those ones, the American stories, quote unquote, are all on Hulu. They are in a single collection, but they're all done as individual seasons. So if you're kind of over American Horror Story for the moment, which, you know, it happens... OJ Sim- the People versus O.J. Simpson is on there, the assassination of Gianni Versace, and the most recent one, which isn't getting enough press, I think, because it's kind of it was released during like the midst of COVID. Impeachment is, is yeah. impeachment, and I'm very interested in watching impeachment because Oh, it's all on Hulu. It's I fantastic. remember watching that actually unfold on television as a child and not understanding what was going on. I and wanting you- to. I will say right now, we were both alive during the Clinton administration. Um, however, what we were subjected to because we were like actually like toddler children, um, I I had no idea how salacious the actual scandal of the Monica Lewinsky Bill Clinton scandal. Bitch, it was fucking eye opening. And same with the O.J. Simpson one because okay, like I had like a basic like base knowledge of what it was but i had no idea how salacious that was because i i was an actual toddler when those things were happening i was old enough that i genuinely and i'm not, I'm not trying to do this for clout i'm being serious i genuinely remember watching the white bronco on the freeway it it, it, it the thing is we talk in terms of this show and in terms of experience, because this is what this podcast has basically evolved into now. There are moments in history that you really get to experience in real time and they stick with you. And, you know, our generation, unfortunately, is often defined by 9 11. But that to me is one yeah. of several. I genuinely do remember watching and feeling and knowing where I was. Because I was already living where I live now. We've been at my house forever. And I remember watching on our old school television the live feed of O.J. Simpson being chased by the police. I remember being just old enough to even hear about the JonBenet Ramsey case and how that just flooded media for for a full calendar year. They did not stop talking about it for a full calendar year. It was a massive story. And yeah, it's the whole white girl down the well syndrome. But these stories really define us as people and getting back to nip tuck is that i think a lot of times is that what ryan murphy has really done really well is taken these very poignant moments of the last 30 years of american history maybe even a bit longer because i think the assassination of gianni versace takes place in the late 80s he's really taken it and put it in a perspective where it's like people forget how integral these moments are 
to the life that we now have. If we refuse to look back and not see what actually happened, what does not see what actually transpired during these moments, we're totally missing the point. And I think Nip Tuck is a perfect example of how we need to recognize that there are some prolific shows on television that really alter the course of what, what and how we watch. Yeah, and this show was pretty ahead of its time. Um, I think that there's like a couple things that I want to touch upon that were it could have improved, but it, it will eventually do these things that I'm going to say, is that it could have had more Black representation, for sure. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because the only like real Black characters we've had up to this point are like the lady who was played by Aisha Tyler. Um, I forgot her character name already, because she was a guest. Um, and we also have Will and Wilbur's parents. Um, and I think that we don't really have a whole lot of other representation aside from them already. Um, oh, and the, the classy black lady who completely demolishes Christian and says that he's old. <laughs> uh, I forgot about her. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. But let's just say that this show has excelled TV in a lot of meaningful ways. Um, however, there was room for improvement. And... As the series progresses, we will see those improvements kind of take place over the course of time because I feel like the writers became more aware that this is a very uh, salacious Caucasian TV show. Um, and we need to address that and include yeah. a bit more diversity. And we should always strive to include diversity. And this is not us pandering or saying that simply for the sake of saying it. We are both two people of color who genuinely want to see more diversity. And I'm going to take a moment to also say this, because this is totally off topic, but on the subject of television, if you haven't watched the movie Prey, watch the movie Prey. It's 100% the, watch the movie Prey. It's 100% watch the, it. It's based on the Predator franchise, but it is the first American film in history, literally in history, that's saying something, to be fully dubbed in traditional Comanche. And, and not only actually that, actually encourage you to watch it in Comanche because you get a totally different fucking experience for that movie. And not only that, Dom, it's the first feature film to include a female Native American lead. Yep. And the Academy Awards actually just recently apologized, issued a formal apology to Sasheen Littlefeather for her treatment at the 76 Oscars, I believe. Yeah, fuck John Wayne. Fuck yeah. John Wayne hardcore. Yeah, fuck John Wayne, but also thank you, Marlon Brando. And uh, my, I did a full research paper on Sasheen Littlefeather, and she is an incredible activist. She deserves so much better. And I oh would kill for them to do a movie of her, not in the, not just in the moment of the oscars but also just do a movie involving her in some way in some major fucking role because she could do it like we don't have enough time to talk about her i love her we really though. don't we don't she's one of um, my one of my feminist icons for simply what she went through and i it sounds very reductive but it's completely and absolutely true yes and also the girl who was the main and um naru and prey yeah i know that her last name is a uh, middle thunder she is going to be, I think her name is uh, Emma Midthunder. Yeah, Emma Midthunder. She is going to be uh, in the Avatar reboot, so please stream that. Um, but I would love to see her play Sasheen Littlefeather. I think that she would be fan-fucking-tastic. To make and a... carry that God, movie entirely on her back. If they could make a drama, like a drama about that, like just a movie, like a biopic about her in that moment, like it sounds again, it's reductive, 
but it would be fantastically done if they could get someone who really like honestly you'd have to get someone who has like basically documentary eyes for this thing and you'd have to present it as it was but i would want like a series of it where it's like um i would be fine with that like do an episode on anime wong and her not being allowed to get the role in the good earth like documenting that session little feather at the oscars um what the hell? I can't remember her name. She was in Gone with the Wind. What's her name? Oh, oh God. Are you talking about uh, Hattie Mayfield? Yes, Hattie Mayfield being denied entrance at the, at the Oscars when she won yeah. Best Supporting Actress. Like, doing those shows and doing those moments, I know it's very much like trauma porn, but it would be fucking great television to have it be represented and recontextualized for an audience that is growing up in an era that really doesn't experience that kind of heavy-handed, aggressive prejudice. Yeah, and I, I do want to say I did read that Refinery29 article that you sent me, and I agree largely that, you know, it, it, it's a good thing that we are, you know, having these series where we're talking about, like, colorblind casting, but when we're doing Regency dramas in particular, that is not true to a lived experience for most people. And that's something that is uh, worthy of critique in itself. And I get that there's people who want to have that fantasy and see representation and to know that they can exist in their own, like, fantasy, quote unquote, or, uh, you know, revisionist fiction, or seeing these roles played by people of color that are traditionally, like, assumed by a Caucasian actor. But there's a political, like, history to these specific Regency period dramas that are entirely erased and it's really upsetting because there's other time periods that are just as worthy of having a fan base and i get that there's you know cautioning there's the romantic uh you know themes that are involved and all these things that are you know aesthetically very pleasing but we need to talk about like actual history and it's really uh concerning that we are debasing that conversation I think that would be a very good bonus episode is for us to watch maybe like the first episode of Bridgerton and talk about it. I, I know, I know, but we, we, we went through Fire Island. We can handle a single episode of fucking Bridgerton. Okay. Because one of the things that was brought up in that article, and we'll, we'll cut this podcast short, don't worry. Can we, watch, uh, can we watch The Gilded Age instead? I'd be much more comfortable watching The Gilded Age. Well, we can watch The Gilded Age. Maybe, I'll, maybe we'll make a compromise and we'll watch The Gilded Age as we watch one episode. Like I said, one, just one episode of Bridgerton just to get a taste of it and see how it goes. We can spoil the synopsis for ourselves, but okay. you know, we actually have to commit to a single episode and be like, okay. The thing that that, that that article, though, brought up for me that I did not know and it made me hate Bridgerton even more than I already do. Go on. Is the fact that the Indian characters that they have in... I believe are they Indian? I'm I'm t- I may be No, they're Tamil. Tamil, apologies. That they change their name to fit in with the society, the fictional society in Bridgerton. It's like, so racism does exist then. Yes. They, That's yeah. not fixing the problem. You can't just have this character suddenly go by an easier name for them to pronounce and say it's oh, because she wants to fit in it. That's fucking racism. That's racism. I've experienced it myself, that exact thing. And for and anybody who does racism. have a name that is quote unquote difficult to pronounce, we learn to pronounce names like Sersha Ronan. Absolutely say it. Say it. Say the we, quote. It, there's absolutely nothing wrong with learning to pronounce like I let's say uh convince Wallace, like it's not hard. Like it, it uh, just 
phonetically sounded out. There's... Uzo Aduba has my favorite quote about that, where, the, where her mother tells her, if they can learn to pronounce Tchaikovsky uh, and Michelangelo, they can learn to pronounce Uzo. Uh, and I cannot pronounce her full name because it's escaping Uzo my mind Aduba. right now. Uzo Aduba, but her full first name. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. It's just escaping my mind right now. It's not that I'm not able to pronounce it. No, I just can't ass, remember it's, it. It's true. Like it, we, but it's like you can learn. We accommodate like the white experience so much that we forget that there's like other experiences that deserve that respect. That are, that are more interesting. Let's be real, okay? Yeah. I'm sick of watching straight white people fall in love in fucking movies. Do you know how I, many times yeah. I've had to sit and tolerate the conversation around the goddamn notebook? I just it's not like a good many, movie. Yeah, and you know what's really funny is that like I have a like fairly common well not a fairly common word in Spanish as my last name and uh, a lot of people like who do not speak Spanish struggle with saying my last name so hard and I love watching it happen. Uh, there's, something power- there's something powerful about it, honestly. It's it's great. Speaking of powerful, though, this episode was incredibly powerful. Sorry yeah, it was really good. We, as we yeah. do every fucking episode. But... Yeah, we really, really like this episode. Um, be, be prepared for the remaining like two or three episodes that we have left for season two. Be prepared. And then we get to do our overview of season two. So we that'll yeah. be fun. I'm excited about that. Yeah, it'll be a really good time. And then we're going to do a couple bonus episodes before we start season three. But like literally season three is my favorite season. So we are not going to take like a long gap. Yeah, we're, we're letting you know now that there's going to be a handful of bonus episodes that are going to fill the gap between season two and three. Not for any particular reason, just because, hey, we have other things going on. And we want to come into season three with some freshness, with some we relaxation. Do. Some diatribes, like a, if you will. Like like a scentsy candle in the background and like, you know, spa music. Spa exactly. water, which is really agua fresca. Call it what it is, you fucking racist. Honestly. Okay. And uh, that wraps up our episode for tonight. And uh, I want to say thank you, Dom, for being a wonderful co-host. Thank you, Robert, for being a wonderful host. And uh, we have been Nip Talked. If you want to follow me, you can find me at a street cat named Desire. Uh, for Dom, you can you can follow me at Art Like Work of on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow our Nip Talk podcast or Nip Talk Pod, excuse me, on Twitter and on Instagram. Feel free to reach out, send us messages, talk to us, interact with us, spread us around, like, share, follow, all that jazz. Because really and truly, as stupid as it sounds, I'm kind of starting to take this shit seriously now. Okay, and we do have. Fun. Yeah, it really is a lot of fun. And we do also have an email address if you guys would like to send us an email. That is niptalkpod at gmail.com. Um, please ask us anything you desire. Absolutely. We'll do our best to answer you in a timely manner. <laughs> please allow three to five business days for your <laughs> Three to five to business be, days. That's true. Addressed. I mean, you guys are getting two episodes this weekend because I was really behind this week because I had some personal tragedy in my personal life. So I apologize for that. And we'll explain on that at another time but thank you guys for listening and uh bye bye